This is a Hoff Studios podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I want to give everybody context for who you are and why I chose to bring you on Rebellious Reinvention. I'm so excited to connect in person. Apollonia is a life coach and consultant, but it's really hard to fit you into a damn box. You are a magician, a global lifestyle and branding strategist. You are a brand and media strategy writer, a brand image consultant, an ambassador, an executive coach for a collection of CEOs celebrities, and entrepreneurs. I've read some of your writing. It's amazing. You contribute to so many different places. It's I don't know how you do it all. I can't wait to dig in. And I resonate with you so much because you also come from the hospitality industry, as I did, and as we still are. We own bars and restaurants. You have 23 years in hospitality and entertainment business. Wild. So tell me, where are you at right now? Are you in Mexico? I'm in Tulum where I live. Yeah. I'm in Beautiful. Tulum and the, here in the jungle now, now referred to, uh, as a cosmopolitan jungle to me, it's turned into a city totally it's really fast here. It's growing really fast. Um, I know that's exciting in so many ways and it's also difficult, you know, because there's not a lot of sustainability in that area. How is, how is that how is the city adapting to it? Because when I was in Tulum last week, they were talking a lot about the sustainability of just even the plumbing. It's not able to handle it. So what's happening there to merge all this new growth to support Yeah, it? I mean, I think that, that that responsibility is falling on those who are choosing to uh, really invest in being here. Obviously working with mm-hmm. the government and really understanding what the needs are and then getting the right people in place to participate in the growth in a sustainable manner. So not just the sustainability, right, but the sustainability mm-hmm. of, you know, the actual people that are coming here, what kind of projects they're investing in and how to make sure that there are always some form of uh, protocol in order mm-hmm. to preserve Tulum. And it's yeah. true essence as it continues to evolve, which is happening very fast. Yeah, that's beautiful. So tell me about how I just, I love what you do because you ha- you come from this marketing background. You work with high-powered CEOs. You work with people that are not necessarily in a conscious environment and have probably not worked in a conscious way for 20 or 30 years. And you're really bridging the gap between spirituality. I mean, you talk about astral travel. You talk about spiritual awakening. You do spiritual ceremonies. And yet you're teaching people how to work in entertainment and market their brands and incorporate wellness into these brands. So how does that all merge together and how do people respond to you? Well, you know, I have to say one of the main things that I've always, um, really kept for my own, my own guideline, my own inner, um, 
dialogue and protocol is to, is to be myself. I would have never been able to have lived and experienced what I have all over the world had I not just been myself. I've played many characters, yes, but at my core, I've always been same old me. And that's allowed me to develop different relationships on many levels, personally and professionally, because I've been able to authentically show up where people see and feel safe to share. Mm -hmm. And that's why I have the ability today, after having done my own personal work, to share that with those who come from environments or are still in environments that don't allow them to uh, practice as much of uh, their spiritual and health and wellness regimens because they're still in a world that's not as common in that space. So it allows me to go between the worlds and share what I'm learning here in mine and then bring it back to the other side. I think that um, just having real relationships with people, mm. being really honest and authentic gives me the credibility or justifies why I do and can service a customer or a client at the level that I can. My background in PR and branding and media has been my whole world from a very young age, but my love and my personal passion for personal development and spiritual enlightenment has something that I would neglect in my earlier years. Once I got really comfortable and I had these really uh, huge shifts and contrasts in my life where I could look and experience and see the difference I realized that alone in itself was a gift. Not everyone gets to experience such contrasts and dips and dives. And I think as a deep thinker and feeler, I've been able to get the best of both worlds. And now I'm able to bring them together. That's so beautiful. What a gift. What a unique gift. Um, I really resonate with that a lot. I, I began my personal entrepreneurship journey through... Well, many times I've had many iterations, but my spiritual awakening happened during plant ceremonies about 13 years ago. I was diving into ayahuasca and peyote with shamans. I almost left on the road to be a roadman's firekeeper. I was very immersed in the community. I ended up getting grounded and embodied through yoga, and I became a yoga teacher. And I think because same with you, I came from this very grounded space through hospitality and in my own personality, just my persona was very strong, connected and grounded. I was really able to bring people into a spiritual practice, bring people into a yoga practice. A lot of my clients were um, similar to your clients. They were people that wanted to practice yoga privately they were very insecure about walking into a yoga space. A lot of men, a lot of high-powered men couldn't touch their toes even, right? And I think that that really is what allowed me to reach in and, and bridge that space for them because my I was just so grounded and so authentic, right? Um, so I really resonate with this a lot. What did... When did your, so tell me about your career and the trajectory and what happened when you had your spiritual awakening and when was that in this journey? Yeah, I, um, I grew up in Queens in New York and I, um, always had this desire to be on television. I would watch, uh, downtown Julie Brown on MTV and I was like, I want to be like her. 
you know, and I watched the entertainment and the whole nightlife, the travel and the jet setting. And I was just, you know, in my environment, I was taught that you couldn't ever do any of that. So I strived and I chased that. I chased that as being the success, as the, um, the, the, the money being the driver and being really what I thought back then seen, I thought I was seen and I was amongst my people. I loved making people feel good. So I started working in hospitality as a nightclub promoter and went on to work for nightlife hospitality brands. Eventually, as my career began to unravel, I went to work with the investment companies that own and operate their own franchise concepts and built a career as a media personality and ambassador for these luxury hospitality brands. And with that, a speciality was was created through my living in New York, growing up in nightlife, and then taking that experience and bringing it internationally. So I was really lucky to have been able to create and uh, uh, have my my own path into this into this space because when I was doing it, it didn't really, it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So as I um, began to really explore myself in my career as an executive, I began to remember that none of that really mattered. I never really liked any of that stuff. You know, it didn't resonate. Yes, I enjoyed meeting people and I enjoyed connecting with people. But there was a level of um, superficiality and materialism and surface connection that I realized I was not resonating with. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was acting and I wasn't being myself. And I remember just always feeling like there was a call. There was something different for me. And I don't know about you, but having uh, really enhanced and heightened my abilities today I would get these visions and these quick spurts of me on stage and me doing things spiritually. And, and I'd be like, well, why, why, where's that coming from? Me teaching. And, um, you know, I found myself really uh, moving towards this training and development of the staff that we worked with and getting this opportunity to create lifestyle training. And I started implementing that into the whole PR and branding Uh, model that I had for the companies I was working with. And then I realized that that was the most fulfilling part was when I was helping people, when I was developing the staff, when I was showing them that there was more to what they were currently doing, that there was opportunity if they gave themselves that and how important it was for companies to provide this from a Uh, a corporate culture, show them that they can do more than just this one position and that they can grow with the company. Because if you do that, you'll empower them. And if you empower Mm -hmm. them, they're going to do better for your organization. So I was, was it hard? Was it hard to convince people then? Was it hard to convince the leadership to invest in this? It was not, not in Dubai. The Mm. chairman that, that, uh, that ran the company that I worked for, He was very advanced. He loved anything um, that required personal development and coaching and quantum physics and emotional intelligence. I think I even got my first training through EQ in that job back in 2014 when I lived in Dubai. So he was an advocate of these things. So when he gave me the opportunity to create my own lifestyle training program, he's like, I want people to go to the school of lifestyle, your lifestyle school. 
and I want you to develop mm. this training and train the staff. So I was training about 350 staff members between uh, two of our main nightclubs, and these staff members were from Sri Lanka and uh, India and the Philippines. So you can imagine growing up in New York and in Queens and being uh, half Italian, uh, Colombian, Irish descent, and then going to the other side of the world and then speaking to a whole other culture and then seeing Mm -hmm. the impact that I could have on them and teaching them new skills and teaching them how to empower themselves and become educated and better versions was for me like, wow, I did that. I I can do this. This is awesome. This is fulfilling. Mm -hmm. This is rewarding. And how did your, I know you mentioned your spiritual awakening. How did that happen? Like what, what did your spiritual awakening look like? Everyone has so many different versions and I would love to hear about yours. I like that you said earlier too, there have been met, there have been plenty or many for you and different ones. And I, I too have had several, I can remember at 21 years old, waking up from a nightmare. It was so real. And now understanding how we live in on different timelines and how things are happening, right. And in, in, in different mm-hmm. planes of existence, I remember waking up from this dream and in the dream or in this lucid part of the dream, we were all on our on our knees with our hands up in the air like this, crying, just crying. And the heavens were opening, the, do- the doors of heaven, the white light was coming down. And it was a moment, I think, of God interjecting or intervening, you know, divine intervention saying, you're going on the wrong path. And I remember waking up from that dream and being so spooked. I don't know what the heck I was doing at 21 or who I was hanging around with. But it shifted something for me. And I remember being like really, really scared that I knew whatever I was going to do, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing that. And that was at 21. Mm-hmm. By the time I, um, I was 29 or 32 in that age bracket, I was, I was starting to, to move around for work. And I began working with a Reiki master. And I started doing more like energy healing, right? Reiki, spiritual energy healing, removing blocks and doing this work from the Turks and Caicos and me really feeling like there was, there was this pain. I, I, I had been running from myself. I used to move all the time. I still enjoy moving, but like I used to move a lot. <laughs> and I remember leaving New York because I felt like I was a hazard to myself and I went to L.A., only to be picked up out of LA so quickly and moved to Turks and Caicos for work. And then having to sit with myself and work with this Reiki master and having this huge awakening around my blockages. And according to her, I was talking about this yesterday, the amount of blockage I had in my heart. And that was over a decade ago, you know, and that work is just now that my heart is really open to explore letting something, someone in and having that whole trust around this area. So it's really interesting to um, see for my own self, the process and the journey and how long the shit takes. <laughs> you it takes know? a while. And it takes a while when you're not practicing, right? Because you can say and identify that there's room for improvement somewhere, but if you keep ignoring it or masking it or running away from the, you know, from the problem, you never get to the root cause. So you never heal it. So mm-hmm. following um, Turks and Caicos, I moved to Dubai a couple of years later 
And that's when I had the real, you know, the, the, the real big one because I was already dabbling in, uh, have you heard of Landmark Education? Yeah. So Landmark Education is a uh, transformational personal development forum. So it's a three-day program. They break you down. They build you up. I, go, I went to the initial course for that. I had, I had a calling for that for quite some time because I was working through um, some wounds that came up for me while I was dating someone, which, funny enough, <laughs> just last month I had to relive something. And I was like, whoa, did I like go out with that person 10 years ago? Isn't that what I went to Landmark for? What the wow. fuck? Yeah, man, it is a process. So landmark I, really I like to say that healing is like it's like this circular experience and there's like inner rings and outer rings and it's like yeah. a swirl, right? And yeah. so it'll come back around in a different way and a different shape because it's still there. Like there's always a little bit of it there and it softens and the loop gets bigger and you see it less often. But those core wounds can still exist and you never know when they're going to pop back up. I mean, I don't think healing is like, I don't believe in eternal healing. Like you, you aren't whole and perfect as you are, right? We are a whole perfect divine beings meant to experience what we experience. And yet, if we choose to commit to this path of healing, it's, it's not going to be like hard, it doesn't have to be hard and suffering and eternal, you know, darkness. Like it doesn't have to be the dark night of the soul forever. Right. And yet simultaneously it will resurface and it's okay. And it's beautiful to witness how far you've come and yet how similar you still are. Right. It's like, wait, didn't I fix, like, didn't I do all this work on that? And yeah. here we are again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I live in Tulum where everybody is a coach and a healer and a shaman and a medicine man and woman and, and a therapist. So you can only imagine being here in the land of healers uh, where sometimes mm -hmm. that can get very daunting too because you have to live. You have to integrate. Mm -hmm. So even when you heal something, you have to then go and practice. And you can only practice when you know, divine intervention and experiences come your way. And then you have this awareness around how you respond and or react to something. And I have to say Tulum is such a great place for that because it shows you and it magnifies it. So anything mm -hmm. you want to run away from, it is like, hi, hi. You know, it really gets up in there. So Landmark was really the first, um, the first step for me as far as becoming uh, more aware and honest about who I had been. And then the follow-up to that was the enlightenment and the spiritual awakening that I had in Dubai. And, you know, I always talk about that. So I actually, I don't always talk about that story. I used to talk about this story, but I, I had a very robust lifestyle and career and I was always on. I was always getting dressed up mm -hmm. and on the go. So I never had any time to be still and sit with myself. And I was at the height of my career in Dubai, and I felt like I could not fail. I could not fail. I was given an opportunity. I was so afraid to fail. The man that endorsed me and that gave me the opportunity was a very dear friend, so I did not want to let this man down. So I wanted to make sure I was successful and that I did well. And with that, I neglected myself and my own self-care. I didn't have any balance. And 18 months went by. I remember walking out of my bedroom one day, and... 
I looked at the calendar, I looked at something and a year and a half had gone by and I never even stopped. I had never taken a day off. I was extremely burnt out and I had to get ready for work one night in that week. And I remember getting dressed up for work. I did not want to go to work. I was just exhausted and I cried my eyes out. I did not want to go to work and I was on my knees. How much longer? How much longer do I have to do this? And I went into the nightclub that night. I had a hosted table um, and... Uh, I remember this man coming behind me to my right and he said, what are you doing here? You know, you don't belong here. And I remember looking back at him and I'm like, how did you know? He's like, you already know yourself. I quit my job following that. And honestly, I've just been rebuilding since then. That was 2015, 16. And I still dabbled and went on to work and moved to Ibiza to work on another project. But I just wasn't, I wasn't in it the same way. And when I left my corporate, uh, my corporate work with the with hospitality, I went on this whole journey of coaching myself and then coaching others around how to build their brands. And while I was doing that, all I would hear was, "I feel like you're like my life coach. You're like my life coach. I don't feel like you're. Co- I mean, I feel like I'm getting more from this." So I began to work on my certifications. I became an emotional intelligence educator. Took courses on social innovation and community building. I was, I became a theta healer and, um, I just found that there are a lot of people that don't see what they don't see, right? We can't see what we can't see, but there are those that are willing to put in the work and that really want to invest in themselves. So it became a little challenging for me because I couldn't find the right clients. I lose uh, faith and or trust in the work that I was doing because I felt like, well, am I giving too much? Am I not giving enough? And what, what am I signing up for here? So I started to learn the balance between what it is to be a coach and a consultant and how to help people become a better version of themselves through self-realization. I don't mm-hmm. want to tell you what's wrong. I want you to figure that out. I just want to be a soundboard and support you in identifying that because we are all our own masters. We're all healers. Maybe Mm -hmm. I have certain tools that you don't have, or I have access to certain information, but we all have the ability. So I've been doing this for the last five, six years, and most recently decided to reactivate my PR and communications company and go back into media. So I'm out there again, endorsing brands, building brands, hosting events. I've been an astral travel guide for over two and a half years, holding sessions and ceremonies around astral travel, focusing on personal development and supporting people in taking back their power reactivating their imagination, their own innate abilities through out-of-body experiences where you can travel to different realms of existence, reunite with loved ones, galactic races, your ancestors, and ultimately your highest self, right? The the part of you that is all high vibing, no low, no scarcity, no limitations, but just the, the limitless possibility. So let's talk about what astral travel is and why people need it, because what is that I think when people hear about astral travel, they imagine like some sort of demonic possession where your body floats above itself and like the visual that you see on TV, right? Yeah. And it can sound really outlandish. But I first started practicing astral travel when I heard that it, it wasn't really called that 
by the way that this person taught me, but they basically said, you can go to sleep at night and ask your subconscious a question or ask to be taught information that's in the collective consciousness and it will be provided for you in the, in your dream state, which was how I first practiced it. It was very entry level. Oh, I'm asking my subconscious and the collective consciousness. Okay, great. So I started doing that. Then I looked on our shelves. My fiance has been deep into spirituality for like the last 25, 30 years. So I never know what's on our collective bookshelf. And so, like I've seen it a hundred times, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. So then one day I'm walking by and I see the astral travel book and I dig it out and I started reading and I was like, oh my God, I've done this, but I didn't do it with understanding what I was doing. Right. And, and so the more I dug into this book and the more I dug into the work of astral travel and le- learned from teachers and channelers, the more I personally began to understand that not only am I getting answers to specific questions, but also allowing myself to intentionally travel. It's picking up on, like you said, more galactic understanding and historical understanding of 3D on this earth, collective consciousness. And it's not just answering my problems or my questions. It's actually connecting me to higher source and more intuition. And it allows me to personally drop into a flow state on a daily basis because it's almost like I'm avatar. I'm like plugged in, right? And so then I come back into my conscious state and I'm out here with with the avatar still connected versus being like, I don't know, that was a crazy dream. So tell me, like that was my personal experience and my personal perspective, but talk about what what is astral travel and what, why do people, especially people in hospitality or high powered positions, why does it matter to them? Why, why is it important? Why should them? they, yeah. yeah. Why should they, they incorporate this practice into their lifestyles? Well, all, all great questions. And, and I get really excited about this stuff because I began astral travel, um, when I was dream weaving, I was coaching about 80 women in these sacred circles, gifting economy, And I was leading these circles with these meditation and everybody was like, listen, these meditations are great. I'm crying. I I met my grandmother. I got this message. Can you please do this with me again? Can you lead us on another meditation? Coming with my PR and branding uh, background, I'm like, I have a vision for astral travel. I want to take the astral travel and I want everyone to experience it who may not be as spiritual. Mm. Astral travel, I think, is an invitation for anyone to activate their own creative gifts and imagination, just like you did when you were a kid. It's a time to play. And if you want to play, you can get really, really funky with it. You can really tap into your power and you can really activate your light being and come out of your body and projectile view above yourself, above your country, above the earth, and connect with all different types of guides and light beings. And like we said, ultimately your highest self, your avatar, the one that doesn't have any limitations. Astral travel is an opportunity to ground by removing yourself from your body and getting out any stagnant, negative, low vibrational energy. It's an opportunity to be able to scan your body and to see where you may have blocks or where you have room to heal. While at the very same time, it's an opportunity to calm your mind, right? Let it run free and not try to control it with thoughts, 
but let it run until it gets calm enough to allow the ideas and things to float by you until you get the, uh-huh, that may, be a mess- that may be a message from a loved one, that may be a download that you get for a new business idea, that may be you receiving a message of something that you need to articulate out and communicate. It's an opportunity for you to allow your body to be still, but to also clean, cleanse, and clear it, and also de-stress while activating and heightening your own abilities. So I recommend astral travel to people in high-intensity environments because it gives you an opportunity to use your superpower. It gives Mm -hmm. you an opportunity to really hone back in so that you do not react, but you respond. When we're in high-intensity environments, what happens? You have to be on. You're probably drinking coffee, right, taking in caffeines and have all these other habits that are creating more of a disruption in your system. Therefore, Mm -hmm. the disruption in your system is creating disruption in your energy field and your auric field amongst all the other things that you're going up and around and, and battling with in the collective. So this practice allows you to level up and raise your frequency, therefore attracting other like-minded individuals who are vibing at the same rate. That's why this practice mm-hmm. is important. <laughs> like if you want to filter out the bullshit. You're vibing at the same rate. <laughs> right. Like if you want, if you want to yeah. like, if, if you want to question where you are, look at your surroundings. If you want to understand yeah. what conversation, what, you know, where you're at uh, intellectually, uh, relationship wise, business wise, pay attention to your, your surroundings and the people that are around you. And then ask if that is actually contributing to your growth and to the overall goal mm-hmm. and vision that you have. And if it is not, it's because you are subconsciously calling that in and attracting it because it is a reflection of where you currently are while at the very same time, an example of where you've been to show you how far you've grown and what next level you need to get to. That's why you should practice astral travel because it just activates your superpowers and there are just many benefits to it. Do you, do you practice and when you do these activations and what you recommend for people when they do astral travel on their own. Do you recommend them doing it at night or do you recommend them going into a meditative state and then coming out of it? Yeah. So I recommend doing it during the day. I, I, I've set up the astral travel. I have an astral travel uh, uh, brand called dream state. Dream state mm-hmm. is the most relaxed state. It's your theta state. Dream state astral travel. I want to I circle back to theta, okay? We're going to talk about what theta is and what your theta ed- education is about too. Sure. So with dream state astral travel, it's an opportunity to go into the most relaxed state of your brain, which is the theta, and it's the opportunity for you to be in a dream state-like feeling in your body where you can then allow yourself to freely see and view what's coming into your, um, into your experience, into your, into your awareness. This practice can be done one-on-one in a group or in a large event experience. Why? When you ask about recommendations and, you know, whether or not you should do it at night or during the day, I feel like 
anyone can do astral travel. Therefore, if you can activate, ignite some inspiration and motivation in someone in a group dynamic, like doing an event for people who are not spiritual and show them astral travel, spirit is going to come in there and activate who it's going to activate. The person who Mm -hmm. then gets activated from this whole event experience and, whoa, that was so cool, I never did this before, is then going to feel more calls to then want to do it more actively in a group dynamic when there's maybe some something uh, taking place at a wellness center, like some form of a fitness upkeep, mm-hmm. in which case you then practice and start doing it on your own. It's got like a reverse engineering process here because people, exactly. right? They're not really going to say, I yeah. want national travel. I want to learn how to do that by myself. But if you can do it in a group dynamic where I was like, whoa, that was gnarly. Whoa, I got to see this. I got a message from my grandmother. Chances are you're going to want to try it again. Yeah. And there's so much integration that happens when people share their experience and they get to talk about it. It's cathartic. It's, it's exciting. It's like, oh my God, you had that? I didn't have that. That is how. That's how I got into my meditation practice was through a group meditation event about 10 years ago. And it was so... I sat there for longer than anybody. I stayed under meditation or in meditation in my theta state for like 40 minutes after everybody had stopped. And I just had never felt so good. I literally felt like I was, I was, I guess I was astral traveling because I felt out of body. Like I was watching the whole room around me and everybody got up. It ended and I just stayed. I also had a Kundalini awakening in that experience where I literally felt my body swirling and I had just never felt like this actual snake-like sensation rise up my spine and it felt like effervescent. And then, and then I was like in that like theta state where I was just steady, you know, and I couldn't get up. I was like, there's no way I can consciously hear that it's ending, but I'm going to stay here for a little bit longer. I had no idea I was there for like, I don't know, 20 to 40 minutes later. It was wild, but it led me to continue to go to group meditation practices, which are very good because guided, et cetera. But it led me to actually start a, an individual practice of meditation at home as well and explore different variations of that, whether it's guided or just sitting. Cause once you experience that feeling yeah. and I say, it's like, a zzz, like, it's like this, like, it's almost like a medicine feeling, like a psychedelic feeling where there's like this tingly vibration in your body. You can't, not have that again. You can't not not want that again. You know, you're it just becomes something that's so it's not addictive. It's just so um it's like coming home to the very, highest. Very, very therapeutic, right? Home. Very, very, yeah. very, very like, wow, that made me feel good. Why would I not want to do more of that? Yeah. How why wouldn't I want to live in that state if I could possibly. And the afterglow effect is amazing. So talk, let's talk about, let's introduce people. What is the theta state? How do you get into theta state? Um, a lot of times like, and, and can we get ourselves into theta state and what would that look like? Yeah. Well, you know, theta state is, uh, the most relaxed part of your brainwave where you are in this dream state, right? Where you're not, where you're not thinking, but you're not totally out but you're Mm -hmm. super, super relaxed. And that theta state may require practice for some. Again, depending on your consumption of food, alcohol, caffeines, what you watch before you go to bed, what you listen to and who you hang out with, all are contributing factors to your nervous system and neurons, therefore calming your brain down may be a little difficult for some. 
but we can practice Mm -hmm. through breath. I like to breathe in through my nose for a count of four and out of my nose or mouth for a count of four. And I continue to do that until I'm in a rhythmic breath. And then once I'm in a rhythmic breath, I find that my body just starts to naturally calm down and my brain just starts to flutter. I mean, I enjoy it because I feel like when I'm meditating, when I'm in that state, I feel like I've ingested some medicine. Like I've maybe smoked Mm -hmm. some Santa Maria or I've taken some mushrooms. You know, I get into this very Mm -hmm. nice, peaceful place where I'm very floaty and I have the ability Mm -hmm. when I do this work, when I'm in a practice to accomplish more. Everyone always thinks that you got to be on the go and you got to hustle. But the truth of the matter is, is that we have the ability to manipulate time and bend it because it doesn't exist. And if you really want to get shit done, you really got to slow down. And if you slow down, you can speed things up. And that's why astral travel meditation is so therapeutic and beneficial to one's everyday lifestyle so that they can really excel and optimize their performance by slowing down and getting calm. How does it work when we slow things down that we actually speed things up? Let's talk about the concept of attraction and time. Sure. So we think that when we're in a rush that we're going to accomplish more, when in fact we probably make more mistakes, our money, our mind is running and we're doing things on autopilot. But when we slow mm-hmm. down, when we calm our mind down, we can actually calm down and manipulate everything else around us. We have the ability to do more. We're in a more calm state because we're not rushing for something. We're not chasing It's a more creative state too. More creative state, yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about how whenever you're in a rush to get somewhere and you know you only have five minutes, but yet you also know that if you're really calm, that's five minutes that you have actually really turn into about 20 and you still get there in the five minute time. Why did that happen? How did that happen? A lot of people don't Mm -hmm. question that. And it's all because of your state of being. So it doesn't really matter where you are. We could both be going to the same place. But if somebody's more in their body and grounded, chances are they won't even break a sweat. And they'll have less time available to them to get to where they have to go. But they've actually created more of that because that is really what we all possess and carry in this metaphysical world is that we have the ability Mm -hmm. to really be these magicians these wizards. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. And we're actually creating more space. So it's like time may look the same on the clock, right? But when you slow down, you create more space to actually move and orchestrate and use that creativity to allow for new possibility instead of, for example, rushing out the door, tripping over the box that you have to take, spilling your coffee, elbowing the the door frame, yeah. getting all pissed off. You're in an anxious space. You take the autopilot way that you always go to get to that place. Cause like you're in the anxiety state and you're anxious and on autopilot, you run into traffic. It's like when you just take the time to really na- dial in and slow down and move almost slower and more consciously and mindful, you can say, oh, look, there's a box. I'm not going to trip over it. There's my coffee. Right. I'm going to walk slowly right. and not spill it. You get in the car, you remember there's a shortcut. You remember that it's 5 p.m. and there's traffic. Yeah. You go the you go the better way. And like you arrive, like you said, you're not even breaking a sweat literally because you haven't you know, wound yourself up into literal anxiety. 
and you arrive and you're there and you're present and you're not rushing and being like, sorry, I spilled my coffee and I elbowed the door and I broke the things I was supposed to bring. I mean, we've all done all of that, right? And then show up with your scattered scattered energy. I always talk about um, Mm -hmm. uh, energetic hygiene, like check yourself. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we're all responsible for that because we all contribute to yeah. the collective. So I try to be as mindful as possible. And when I see my old self and other people with the frantic and the running and the this, I'm like, mm. so I will practice my energy work with them in front of me by me staying in my own. And I'm able to neutralize the energy and I'm able to calm the space. You know, just like the sensei, right? We we all have this Mm -hmm. though. It's wild. It's just a matter of tapping into it. Totally. Yeah. I've been working on, I mean, I've worked on that energetic space for years. Energetic. What did you call it? Energetic maintenance? Energetic hygiene. hygiene. I love that. I love that phrase. I feel like I've been in awareness of that and working on that for years, but more in the last three to six months, I feel like I'm really dialing in. And there's also another part of energetic hygiene. When you can become aware of yours, you're actually able to see others. And that is the benefit and the responsibility. Because once you can see yours and ground yours, then you can actually be present, witness that person, receive them alchemize them if you need to, right? Like working on your energy to ground them and draw them in and and center them. But it actually makes the, it actually allows them to witness themselves. And I think that is the most powerful thing about when you come in in a grounded space and you just witness somebody. Because what happens when we're not in a mindful state and we walk in, we come in with our anxiety, they come in with their anxious, anger, whatever emotions that are coming up. You compound each other. And one of the interesting things is like you come into this space with this person, you're triggered by them, usually is what ends up happening. And so resistance meets resistance. And you wish they would change. It's like a family member, right? Especially around the holidays. It's like you wish they would change. You start trying to change the situations with your words, not with your energy. You say something, you become resentful. This is where altercations happen, right? And the truth is you're not going to soothe them because you're not in a soothed theta state or you don't have good mental hygiene or energetic hygiene. And you're actually creating more tension and more disease between each other, right? It's like this collective fucked up cocktail. And so I've been really working with this specifically around family members. I mean, I work I, I try to be present with everybody, but really specifically around those people that trigger me. Yeah. And and also people where I notice that I change when I'm around them, right? Like, what is that? Every time I'm around them, I change. Why is that? So I'm going to walk in here. I'm going to be me. I'm going to ground myself. And I'm going to witness them. And I can't tell you the amount of unfolding and healing that has happened between specific family members, just witnessing them. Yeah. You don't have to coach people to change people. No, no. It's and not, I, your, it's not our responsibility. Absolutely. And I think that that's what's happened in this big, beautiful land of people that have become awakened who now want to serve as coaches and healers. I always say to my, you know, my friends, if we're out, like 
because I've been and played so many characters, you know, I look at my photos, I laugh mm-hmm. sometimes. I'm like, damn, you're one creative woman. You know, just like just just through the content and the you know the dressing and all the things. And now I'm 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 back full circle, and I feel like when I'm sitting with certain people, and they start doing that. But what's that doing for you? But what's coming up for you? There must be medicine in that. I'm like, I love you, but I like I'm not. I don't want you to come and coach me. I'm just actually just trying to be and speak at this moment without you coming and projecting back to me with your coaching hat. I feel like people need the space. People need the space to figure it out and to see it on their own. And if I can just be an example of me being my authentic self through expression and how I articulate and communicate something, it's not always an invitation for someone to come and interject and ask me to look back at it. Sometimes it's just me wanting to speak and needing a soundboard. And I think that there's a fine line between that too. You know, when we ask one another, do I have permission? Do you want me to tell you? Do you want me to tell you what I see? It's all about the delivery, right? And the tone and how we speak to one another. But I also feel very much so like if you ain't paying me to help you, then I'm not here to tell you what it is that you're doing because that is not fair. I I feel like my, my attitude these days is if you're not paying me to tell you, I'm not going to tell you. But please do yourself a favor and do not try and come and tell me. And I'm very quick to correct somebody when they do say something, because if I wanted your opinion, I would ask you for it. So there's a very fine line with with boundaries in conversations and about people stating whether or not they're trying to help you as a friend, which I can understand Mm -hmm. if you're hurting yourself. But to just go mm-hmm. into a dialogue of like a tennis match of like intellectual conversation and big words, I don't want to do that anymore because I have to relate to a lot of different people on many levels and not everybody's going to get that language. And I'm not trying to confuse mm-hmm. anybody. And having understood that yeah. from my previous career, having worked in very exclusive, high level places where I had to cater to so many different types of personalities knowing that I'm more of an inclusive person, not an exclusive person. I realized today too, that whatever I'm talking about needs to be understood on many levels. And I don't want to confuse people. So I feel like Mm. language, like being a better person, be kind, be a little bit more mindful, have integrity for your word. These are things that are like universally understood And if I can just be an example by the way that I live my life without shoving something down somebody's throat, then I'm doing my job. And now it's also enlightened me. Thank you. It's also enlightened me to the point where I'm like, you know what? I want to have some fun again. I want to work with some different brands. I want to I want to be an ambassador to these types of things. Actually, I've decided I want to do this. Why? Because it is my birthright and I don't have to walk around with a sign saying that I'm a healer or a national travel guide or a Mm -hmm. life coach or bam, 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 all the things, all the titles that we carry around. I just want to be me. And those that Mm -hmm. are meant to work with me are going to find me. I don't want to be in a box because somebody else doesn't understand it. I'm having fun on my Instagram. It's my page. I can do whatever I want with it. And that's what I choose to do and show on there. And if it resonates with someone or many as it does, then that's cool. That works for me. I think we're so caught up with- How do people, how do people tap into that consciousness? 
how do people tap into that space for themselves? Like, I mean, for me on the outside, I look very confident. I mean, I am very confident. People perceive me as confident. The podcast is called Rebellious Reinvention. I'm a rebel. I was a rebel at heart. I grew up with a pastor, a preacher's daughter. I had to rebel because I knew about quantum physics. I understood we were a dream within a dream within a dream in a creative state of expression of a soul. Like I knew that at eight years old, I had a dream. So I had to live in a rebellious state to be safe, to be myself. Not so many people that are attracted to me and probably listening are wondering how you build that confidence to say, I'm not going to define myself by this title. I'm not going to worry so much about what people think. I'm going to just be me where whatever title I choose to that day, depending on who I'm talking to and what I feel like. And besides the title, I'm just literally going to be me and enjoy it. How do you bring yourself and how do others really find that? Like, I feel like it's a stream of consciousness. How do they tap into that? Yeah. You know, I remember in 2009 when I was starting my business, branding myself, uh, you know, my mentor said, you're going to brand yourself. You're going to self-promote, self-market. You're going to take photos. You're going to go out there and do the things that you do, but you're going to constantly promote yourself. You, you, you. People are going to talk about you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to judge you. They're going to critique you. They're going to be mean. She said, ignore them. Keep doing it. And I followed that advice as I continued to move and live and being amongst different types of personalities and people. And I constantly would remind myself, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for me. Mm -hmm. And why was I doing that for me? I was doing that for me because I was already living with so much baggage around my own insecurities and not being enough and not feeling like I was worthy that today at 44 years old, I actually don't have the bandwidth or the energy. So a lot of it for me Mm -hmm. comes from wisdom and people have to go through it. Mm -hmm. No one can tell you you're amazing Mm -hmm. and great and, 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 and you feel it based on what they say. You need to know, you need to feel it. And that is a practice. And depending on your upbringing, your learned behaviors, your community, your society, And what you choose to believe, whether or not you watch mainstream media and propaganda to inherit and take on all those things. So it's a lot of unlearning. And some of us Mm. carry, you know, carry more wounds than others. Some of Mm. us carry them in different areas of our lives. But at the end of the day, we're all carrying that same little thing. And it shows up and it continues to show up in different areas of our lives until we continue to want or do better and actually decide to allow and accept and receive better. And that is a practice in itself, right? Like I right now desire sacred union, the divine masculine, a partnership, my man, my ride or die, my best friend. And I'm desiring these things at a capacity I never thought I wanted before. And now I have to train my brain over and over again to show myself that it is totally, totally possible. And it's totally possible in a new construct, in a way that I don't really have the full power to see, but that it's totally possible Mm -hmm. outside of what I've been conditioned and what I've experienced. So people have to believe enough in their desire to not allow the fear to come in and take over 
and they have to get really, really creative. That's so beautifully said. I, and I, you know, it's the takeaway for me is, is a few things. It's like the timing of your wisdom of that embodiment. We don't have control over when your wisdom hit and kicked in and said, I just don't have the bandwidth for this fear anymore. You had no control over that timing. Right. And I think that embodiment is such a, it's a, it's a path. It's a journey, no matter whether it's embodiment of your desire for your soulmate partnership, or it's embodiment of confidence, or it's embodiment of groundedness and, you know, lack of anxiety, those embodiments, they're driven by desire to, to better yourself. Right. But just like manifestation 101, you can have the vision, you can know the truth, you can believe it, you can facilitate the emotions to attract it, but you have no control over the timing or what it actually looks like when you receive that thing. An embodiment of wisdom and confidence and the, your partnership, it's the same thing. We just have to be on the quest and the journey exactly. of remembrance exactly. and unbecoming. Exactly. And I love that you said that the quest, I haven't used that word uh, in a long time. It is a quest. Like we are, we are such master manifestors and our words are so powerful. So why would we feed and tell ourselves stories that don't make us feel good? Why would we create Mm -hmm. things in our reality that don't empower us? So it it is a practice. And I think that when we become more um, cognitive, 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 I always mess up that word. (laughs) <laughs> we become more aware that we truly carry the keys, that we are our own limitation, that we are responsible for everything that's happening to us, for us, right? Mm-hmm. That we can then truly, truly, truly take back our power and say, how do I, how do I really want to live? What do I want it to be like? What does it feel like? I want to feel that good stuff. People have been suffering for so long. I mean, I think a lot of people are just like, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm tired of that story. I'm tired of that feeling. I want something new. I want something fresh. That's where I'm at. Exactly. It was such a beautiful conversation. I've enjoyed getting to know you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I want to ask you one last thing. I've asked everybody who's come on the podcast, what does rebellious reinvention mean to you? Ooh, well, I'll answer that question in my pre- in my present right now in my pre- in my present where I am in my life. Rebellious reinvention for me is not only the the belief and the power to reinvent yourself, but also for me at this very moment is to go beyond anything I have ever believed or saw of my experiences and relationships. And seeing a whole new possibility and beautiful, healthy world with someone. That's rebellious reinvention for me. I love that. Thank you so much. It's so beautiful. Right. I love hearing everybody's different perspectives of how that, those, that phrase, those two words resonate. It's my motto in life. And I love to get to hear the different interpretations. And that's so beautiful. Thank you. Every word you've said. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And I will link all your links in our show notes so that people can follow you your apollonia keys on instagram correct awesome thank you thank you for your time my love all right babe take care
Every week we have a reoccurring segment and I share my favorite things, tangible products to use and things to walk away with above and beyond the inspiration of these conversations. Think this week's rebellious perspective. What if your soul was ever present, but your conscious mind was the only limitation to its ability to fly, see, and learn? That is what astral travel suggests. Now, if that sounds far out, I implore you to just be open. What if? How could your life transform? What problems could you solve? What information could you collect from the all-knowing collective consciousness, the universe, and society here on earth? What That is where I began my relationship with astral travel. In manifesting, we call it receiving and being open to source, something like that. And I leave you with this quote, a good traveler is one who knows how to travel with the mind by Michael Bassey Johnson in the book of Maxims, Poems, and Antidotes. Read Astral Travel, Your Guide to the Secrets of the Out-of-Body Experiences by Yvonne Frost. This book is an oldie, but a goodie. It's an OG, one we have on our shelves, and it was published in 1986. In this book, she teaches you how to differentiate between astral travel and conventional dreaming. You can learn to control your experiences, complete instructions for astral travel dreaming, twilight zone astral travel, meditative state travel, and travel in the spiritual realms, helping and healing with astral travel, and so much more. The link is in the show notes to grab this book from my Amazon storefront. And you'll notice I have a bunch of other books there. Go and check them out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please support my podcast by saving it, sharing it, and writing a review. I hope you guys have an amazing day. Thank you.